1996, and Sony is taking the fight, quite literally, to Nintendo's front door. Outside of Nintendo's U.S. headquarters, an actor in a giant costume stands outside the door. He's dressed as a happy-looking, bright orange cartoon marsupial. A Sony video crew trails behind him. As cameras roll, Crash grabs a bullhorn and swaggers around Nintendo's parking lot. I got a little surprise for you here. Check it out. What do you think about that? You got real-time, 3D, lush, organic environments. How's that make you feel, buddy? Feel a little like your days are numbered? The costumed character's name is Crash Bandicoot, and he's Sony's answer to Nintendo's beloved star, Mario. A few months earlier, PlayStation's visionary Ken Kutaragi had been furious about this idea. Snarling and shaking with anger, he had screamed at Mark Cerny, the amiable president of Universal Pictures' video game division, when he first heard about Crash Bandicoot. Kutaragi rants for nearly 40 minutes. The diplomatic and level-headed Cerny endured the verbal assault, but was left utterly shaken when Kutaragi finally stomped off. What Kutaragi detests about Crash Bandicoot is that everyone else at Sony wants Crash to become the PlayStation's answer to Nintendo's Mario. A mascot, if you will. The very idea infuriates Kutaragi, and he never misses the chance to vent his feelings about this to his colleagues. PlayStation doesn't need a mascot. Certainly not some cartoon character. Leave the cuddly animals to Nintendo. PlayStation is not a toy. Crash Bandicoot is everything PlayStation isn't. But the Sony team was nervous. Nintendo was leading its attack on the PlayStation with the bouncy action of Super Mario 64, which some journalists are now calling the best game ever made. Sony needed to fight back. So, when the PlayStation team saw Crash Bandicoot, they saw a family-friendly game that could dent the Mario juggernaut. After weeks of clashes about Crash, Kutaragi lost the argument. Which brings us back to this Sony publicity stunt, with a rascally Crash Bandicoot stomping around the Nintendo headquarters parking lot. As cameras roll, Crash grabs a bullhorn and swaggers around Nintendo's parking lot. Hey, plumber boy, mustache man, your worst nightmare has arrived. Pack up your stuff! A Nintendo security guard arrives. I'm gonna have to ask you to leave. You're hurting my elbow. Is that Italian? No, Bandicoot, it's an Australian name. The film footage becomes Sony's latest TV ad campaign, but it fails to dim the growing excitement over Nintendo's Super Mario game. It seems inconceivable that even with all of Sony's techno-savvy and its manufacturing muscle, it can't stop the fat man in dungarees. Yes, Nintendo is back in the game. Enjoy a powerful business upgrade with Dell Technologies' Black Friday in July event. Get amazing savings with up to 50% off high-performance computers and tech built for business. And be able to take your office with you with Windows 10 Pro. Plus, get great offers on Dell servers, monitors, docks, and more, all with easy financing options through Dell Financial Services. Call 877-ASK-DELL. That's 877-ASK-DELL. And speak with a Dell Technologies advisor today. 
Louisiana has unmistakably unique culture, world-class cuisine, and the nation's top-ranked workforce development program. This incredible state's business environment is powerful, rich, and diverse. It's the gateway to 38 states and the world with a port system delivering the most domestic cargo in the U.S. It's also where NASA and higher ed partners build rockets that will transport the first women to the moon. Discover Louisiana's investment resources at OpportunityLouisiana.com to learn how your company can gain a competitive advantage in Louisiana. From Wondery, this is Business Wars. I'm David Brown. You're listening to our sixth and last installment in our Nintendo vs. Sony series. It's called No Surrender. In our last episode, Nintendo pushed back against game makers' pressure to give up cartridges for CDs. Instead, Nintendo focused on developing its own games and a clever controller that allowed players to effortlessly move characters around in 3D. It took years to create the Nintendo 64 console, but now Nintendo is ready to challenge PlayStation head-on. But the games business Nintendo and Sony are fighting for control of is changing fast. You know, it's not even Halloween yet, but millions of kids already know what they want for Christmas. A new video game system called Nintendo 64. Nintendo's new game machine is 64 bits, making it the most powerful machine on the market. The Nintendo 64 is being touted as the hottest toy for Christmas 1996, and it's vanishing from store shelves fast. There might only be two games to play on Nintendo's new console, but one of them is Super Mario 64, and for many, well, that's more than enough to justify buying Nintendo's latest console. Within four days of its release, Nintendo sold 350,000 new Nintendo 64 consoles, making it the fastest-selling console in U.S. history. Nintendo can't make them fast enough. Consumers clear the shelves as fast as storekeepers restock them. January 1997. Nintendo headquarters, Kyoto. The intercom in Nintendo boss Hiroshi Yamachi's office buzzes. Mr. Yamachi, I have the president of Nintendo of America on the line. He has the sales figures for Christmas. Put him through immediately. This is Yamachi. So, how is the Nintendo 64 performing in America? It's doing very well. Sales of the Nintendo 64 and Sony PlayStation were neck and neck in the holiday season. If it wasn't for our supply issues, we would have outsold Sony. Very good, very good. The supply problems are almost resolved, so that should no longer hold us back. But we can't be complacent. I'm putting $100 million into promoting the Nintendo 64 in 1997. That should be enough to match Sony's marketing budget for the PlayStation. Now, go take them down. Nintendo and Sony may be going toe-to-toe on promotional spending, but their marketing strategies couldn't be more different. Sony is positioning the PlayStation as something distinct from the traditional game console, something closer to the TVs, camcorders, and Walkman they're known for. Sony wants the PlayStation to be seen as 
cool and sophisticated, a device that adults wouldn't be ashamed to put under their TVs, unlike the Nintendo 64 with its chunky, curvy, preschool plastic casing. To achieve this ambition, Sony rewrites the rules of video game advertising. It presents the PlayStation as an aspirational product and not just for kids. It even runs commercials where neither the PlayStation or its games are on display. Commercials like this European TV ad called Double Life. You may not think it to look at me. But I have commanded armies in conquered worlds. And though in achieving these things, I've set morality aside. I have no regrets. For though I've led a double life, at least I can say, I've lived. Only the final unspoken on-screen slogan reveals what's really being sold here. It says, do not underestimate the power of PlayStation. Nintendo struggles to match Sony's bold promotions. The reassuring family-friendly reputation Nintendo spent years building is now a liability. The Nintendo kids of the 80s are now adults, and they want to move on from the cartoon heroes that are Nintendo's calling card. Feeling threatened, Nintendo tries to get with it and mimic Sony's appeals to young adults. We will not compromise. We will live the game through our hands. We will be in control of something. We will change the system. But the voiceover's rebellious call to arms just doesn't work with the Nintendo bubblegum games on screen. Nintendo also eases up on its family-friendly rules to make room for a first-person shooter game based on the James Bond movie Goldeneye. But Nintendo's chief designer flinches when he sees Goldeneye's spurts of blood and sniper rifle headshots. He figures he's got to dial it back. So, he faxes a list of suggestions to Martin Hollis, the stick-thin 26-year-old director of the games company making Goldeneye. A bemused Hollis pulls the fax off the machine and reads it aloud to his team. <clears throat> Can we make the blood less red? Ooh, here's one. Uh, Could we have all the people killed during the game get up at the end to shake hands to show no one really got hurt? It was a hand-to-forehead moment, but Hollis agrees to tone down the blood. For the ending, they compromise. The characters slaughtered by the player are seen alive and well during the credits, like actors at the end of a film. Sony, on the other hand, has none of Nintendo's qualms. And so it goes on a bloody violent spree. And it's kind of jarring. One moment, cute Crash Bandicoot is prancing around on PlayStation, and the next, it's the guts-in-the-teeth zombie horror game Resident Evil. And then, it goes even darker. But Sony doesn't even bat an eyelid at the original Grand Theft Auto game that offers players bonus points to mow down lines of Hare Krishnas in their car. The PlayStation brand is so flexible, it can even turn the 1990s most unlikely pinup into a massive star, even a pinup who was never meant to be. 
It all started when Core Design, a little-known British game studio run by Jeremy Heath Smith, began making a game inspired by the Indiana Jones movies. The first time his developers showed Heath Smith what they'd done, when he was horrified. On the screen was a character that was the spitting image of Harrison Ford's fedora-wearing adventurer. He immediately told his team to get rid of the indie lookalike. We can't use that. Lucasfilm will sue us to kingdom come. Come up with a different character. Two weeks later, Heath Smith returned to check in on the new character, and he wasn't pleased. <laughs> what the hell? It's a girl. The game's director smiled and said, Yeah, her name's Laura. Laura Croft. Great, isn't she? No, no, she's not. I mean, there's never been a popular female video game character. Teenage boys play this game. Come on. Do you seriously think they're going to want to play as a woman? The designer was not ready to cave. Well, what about we leave her in there for now and see how it goes? When Tomb Raider arrives on the PlayStation in November 1996, Sony immediately sees shapely Lara's appeal and potential. Lara has a tiny waist and huge breasts, but she's strong, intelligent, and in no need of a man. Not only does Lara appeal to both sexes, she's visual proof that PlayStation's gaming is different. Sony pays big bucks to make sure her adventures will appear only on PlayStation. And by 1997, the whole world is smitten with her. September 1997. The European Computer Trade Show in London. No one has seen anything like this before at a computer trade show. A crush of paparazzi jostled to get closer. The object of their attention was Laura Croft, or rather, her flesh and blood double. As flashbulbs pop, British model Rona Mitra poses in Laura's trademark turquoise vest and hot pants ensemble. She's become a pop culture icon. The first Tomb Raider game sells 7 million copies. She's on the cover of countless magazines, and big brands now vie to get endorsements from this playboy-proportioned virtual hero. Now, as 1997 draws to a close, Sony hopes Tomb Raider 2 will seal the holiday season victory for the PlayStation. Nintendo, meanwhile, is betting that the huge acclaim surrounding GoldenEye 007 will steal Sony's thunder. GoldenEye is selling fast and will eventually sell 8 million copies worldwide. But as the stores shut on Christmas Eve, the question is, which of these British heroes, the steely sharp shooter or the shapely Tomb Raider, will win the hearts of America? Where's my order? Where's my order? Where's my order? Break free from customer support monotony. Welcome to Intercom for Customer Support, the business messenger that uses chatbots, shared inboxes, apps, and more. Intercom's business messenger resolves questions that can be answered automatically, so customer support feels less like Groundhog Day and more like help is on the way. Go to intercom.com support to learn more about Intercom's business messenger for customer support. 
Birthdays, holidays, promotions, getting that last sprinkle donut. There's a lot in this world worth celebrating, but nothing is worth celebrating more than knowledge, especially knowledge that will pay off, like understanding how compound interest works, knowing how to check your investment professional's background, or figuring out your risk tolerance, or finally understanding all those terms your friends keep throwing around like ETF, ESG, and ICO. Go to Investor.gov today to learn about these investment products and more. How much do you already know about investing? Find out by putting your financial knowledge to the test with their new investment quiz. Investor.gov is your unbiased resource for valuable investment information, tools, and tips. Before you invest, Investor.gov. Another Christmas, and Nintendo's chief, Hiroshi Yamachi, is reading the 1997 holiday sales report. In Japan, the PlayStation has crushed the Nintendo 64. When Nintendo clung to its cartridges, it effectively drove Japan's beloved role-playing games Final Fantasy and Dragon Quest to Sony. Now, even the Sega Saturn is selling better in Japan than the Nintendo 64. At least the news from the West was better. That Christmas, millions of people in the United States and Europe were buying Nintendo 64s. But the trouble is, that still wasn't enough. For every Nintendo 64 console Nintendo sold, Sony sold two PlayStations. PlayStation now has an unassailable lead over the Nintendo 64. Nintendo is still profitable. It still has huge cash reserves and world-class game studios. And its portable console, the Game Boy, is raking in millions from the freakishly successful Pokemon games. But Yamachi knows that in the home console market, the game has changed. Nintendo is on the defensive. No matter what Nintendo does next, he knows that the PlayStation will win this round in the console wars. Its best bet is to hold on to its current market share so that it can stage a comeback in the next round of console wars. Luckily, Yamachi knows that in the cubicles on the floors below his office, His game developers are working on a game that can defend Nintendo's position. The latest addition in the company's long-running fairy tale adventure series, The Legend of Zelda. While Yamachi sits in his office in Kyoto, digesting Nintendo's disappointing Christmas, over in Tokyo, the mood at Sony is jubilant. The crazy dream Kutaragi had in 1984 of making Sony the leader of the video game business has come true. The PlayStation is now the world's favorite game console. Not that Sony is sitting still. Kutaragi wants Sony to spend 1998 going after the one market segment PlayStation is yet to conquer. The market Nintendo regards as its own. Kutaragi wants to peel the preteens away from Nintendo. Leading Sony's efforts to lure kids to PlayStation is Spyro the Dragon, a game about a purple baby dragon that would have looked right at home on the Nintendo 64. As fall 1998 arrives, Nintendo fights to stop PlayStation from taking any more of its territory. Nintendo tries to build a fortress around its crown jewel, the Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. 
It spends millions to promote the new Zelda, the tentpole game that could be the Nintendo 64's last stand. As the game's release approaches, a promotion runs in more than 10,000 movie theaters across America. The ad with high drama music and gothic-style subtitles begins with, A Dark Time is Coming, and comically wraps with, And in the end, will thou'st soar or wilt thou suck? It does not suck. Sony fights back against the buzz around Zelda with the latest Tomb Raider game. Sony plasters 60-foot-high murals of Lara Croft onto buildings in major cities across the U.S. Take that, Zelda. But critics say Zelda is the best video game ever made. Two weeks after it goes on sale, it sells a million copies. Within weeks, that number more than doubles. Zelda did what Nintendo needed it to do. While the game didn't narrow the gap between PlayStation and Nintendo 64, it did hold Sony's advance at bay. Nintendo emerges from the Battle of Christmas 1998 with its market share intact. Not that Nintendo's resilience bothers Kutaragi too much. The PlayStation is still miles ahead and well on its way to becoming the first console to pass the 100 million sales mark. Even Kutaragi is shocked by the scale of the PlayStation's success. The PlayStation has done much more than topple Nintendo and lay waste to Sega. It has rescued Sony. During the early 1990s, Sony's winning streak in consumer electronics had come to an end. The days when Sony repeatedly wowed the world with products like Trinitron Color TV, CD players, and the Walkman were long gone. Sony had lost its mojo, but with the PlayStation, Sony Computer Entertainment, the lowly regarded part of the company that had to flee Sony HQ to survive all those years ago, is now the most successful part of the Sony empire. Kutaragi, the outspoken corporate rebel, is now being tipped as a future Sony president. PlayStation transformed the game business too. With its efforts to make gaming cool and win over adults, Sony took video games into the mainstream. Just two years earlier, most game players were kids. Now the majority of players are adults. And games are no longer toys just for the boys. About a quarter of PlayStation users are women and girls. Thanks to the PlayStation, video game sales are at an all-time high today. In the four years since 1998, Game sales have doubled to more than $6 billion a year in the U.S. alone. The video game industry is still the kid brother to Hollywood, but it's catching up fast, and Hollywood is taking note. In America, Nintendo's GoldenEye game grossed more than twice as much as the James Bond movie it was based on. In 1999, PlayStation has beaten Nintendo, but Kutaragi has no time to bask in the glory of the PlayStation success. He's thinking of the new advanced PlayStation 2. In Kyoto, Yamachi is contemplating a successor to the Nintendo 64 with what he once thought unthinkable. A console without cartridges. Yes, it's a personal defeat, but he knows he has to embrace CDs to win back the game publishers who deserted Nintendo for Sony. 
Kutaragi and Yamachi are each drawing up diabolical plans to crush the other. Why wouldn't they? That's what they've always done. What they don't know is that the next console war won't be the two-way fight they imagine. And the new unseen challenger is about to enter the ring. May 1999. In a boardroom less than a mile from Nintendo of America's headquarters in Redmond, Washington, a group of businessmen are arguing. They've been there locking horns for hours. Day has turned to night, but the arguments show no sign of stopping. You aren't listening to what I'm saying. We have to make a video game console and we must do it now. Nonsense. We don't have to do anything. Your plan is to blow a billion dollars, one billion dollars, getting into the video game business in the hope that one day, far in the future, we might, and it's most definitely a might, earn some money from doing it. What kind of dumbass business plan is that? The businessmen glare at each other across the room for a moment, and then one breaks the silence. But, but, but what about Sony? If we do nothing, Sony will own the living rooms of the world. That thought silences the room. Suddenly, it clicks for Bill Gates and his number two, Steve Ballmer. Gates stares at the Microsoft team in front of him. They want him to throw a billion dollars behind a games console called the Xbox, a console that could ensure Microsoft, rather than Sony, holds the keys to the future of home entertainment. They want the world's richest company to do to Sony what Sony did to Nintendo. The employees want the Xbox to be the first console with a hard drive built in. They also want it to be the first to support online gaming via broadband, even though almost no one has broadband internet in 1999. These features, however, will make the Xbox very expensive, and so the plan is Microsoft will take a loss on every Xbox it sells. That's why the Xbox project is going to cost Microsoft a ton of money. No wonder Gates worries about the cost, but Gates isn't one to shy away from a fight. When he thinks about taking on Sony, <laughs> his face brightens. He smiles and says, You know what? I like this plan. It's a good plan. Let's go make the Xbox. For almost a decade, Nintendo and Sony have been fighting for dominance over a multi-billion dollar business. They've bloodied and bruised each other and brought Sega to its knees in the process. But now, well now the war for console dominance has a new fighter in the ring. From Wondery, this is Business Wars. We certainly hope you enjoyed this episode. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You'll find a link on the episode notes. Just tap or swipe over the cover art. You'll also see some offers from our sponsors, and we hope you'll support our show by supporting them. If you like what you've heard, we would love it if you could give us a five-star rating and tell your friends how to subscribe, too. Another way to support us is by answering a short survey at wondery.com survey and tell us what business war stories you'd like to hear. A quick note about the conversations you've been hearing. We can't know exactly what was said, but this dialogue is based on our best research. 
I'm your host, David Brown. Tristan Donovan wrote this story. Karen Lowe is our senior producer and editor. Produced by Emily Frost. Sound designed by Kyle Randall. Our executive producers are Jenny Lauer Beckman and Marshall Louie. Created by Hernan Lopez for Wondering. Hi, I'm Brooke. And I'm Arisha. And we're the hosts of Even the Rich. So I want you to imagine you're about to go on stage and perform in front of 30,000 cheering fans. You pop a cough drop, take some deep breaths, tell yourself, you can do this. And that's when your brother steps into your dressing room. He tells you the police are here. Either you clean up your act or you'll get arrested. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. But you just laugh and say good, because the you in this story is Madonna. You're going to give the police a moment they'll never forget. Ooh, so what happens next? If you want to find out, you'll have to listen to the newest season of Even the Rich, The Making of Madonna. Follow on Amazon Music, the Wondery app, or wherever you're listening right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app to listen ad-free.